Support from Market Foolery comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decisions of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interest in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at quickenloans.com/fool. It's Thursday, April 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I'm joined by Ron Gross from Motley Fool Total Income and Jason Moser from Million Dollar Portfolio. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, hey. Hey, Matt. How are you? Guys, I'm good. We're going to talk some pizza, we're going to talk some wings, and we're going to talk some Southwest Airlines. Well, you have me <laughs> pizza. What doesn't fit there? What doesn't <laughs> fit? But guys, let's begin with Under Armour. Shares up big on Thursday after the company reported a smaller-than-expected loss. Jason, I still hear the word loss in there, so why are investors so giddy? Well, you got to love it when it's less bad than folks were expecting, <laughs> right? And I mean, a lot of what Wall Street focuses on quarter in and quarter out is just an expectations thing. Um, I mean, I think this was a good report for Under Armour, if for nothing else, that they set reasonable expectations. They did not go in there and raise guidance for the year based on perhaps. Any optimism they may feel for this coming year, and I think management took a tone, a bit of a tone of humility, uh, based on the last couple of quarters. Here, I mean, these last couple of quarters really socked it to them, and I think um, they needed to really get back to sort of resetting expectations, focusing on 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 getting getting the task done, and, and less on sort of this hype cycle. I mean, every quarter it was quarter in quarter out a new record they were setting. And you could tell they were kind of falling in love with themselves. They were they were falling for their own hype. And I think there's a level of humility that that needs to be entertained here when you when you're in management with a public company. And and I think this has kind of helped reset that bar for them. Is there still a lot of talk about sports authority and and the impact that that has had on the industry, or have they kind of let that go? Well, I think this is more or less this quarter. I think 2016 sort of put. Put a bow on that. Yeah. I mean, I think we've kind of seen that. That's now in the rearview mirror, and I think really it's it's sort of looking forward and figuring out new distribution channels. Uh, they they did uh, fairly well on the wholesale side. The direct to consumer business grew a, a little bit more. It looked like I think footwear is where they had a little bit of weakness there, and that was also on top of a pretty tough comp from last year. Uh, a lot of questions there in regard to the connected fitness. Uh, Sort of movement, and I think those questions are fair. I mean, given the amount of money they spent on these apps, I mean, the connected fitness business on its own grew two percent for the quarter. I mean, that's obviously not very impressive. But I mean, management was very clear. They said in the call, these investments in connected in connected fitness are all about having a better understanding of their consumers. So, so I suspect in ten years, we're not going to really be talking as much about connected fitness. I think we'll be looking back at sort of the data that the connected fitness provides. Uh, for companies like Under Armour and, and Nike and whoever decides to use it, uh, it just is a very obvious target right now because they paid so much for those businesses. So you just mentioned Nike. Nike's the big dog in this space. What's the case for investing in Under Armour as opposed to Nike? I think it's just a, a matter of, of growth, really. I think with with Under Armour, you've got a company that's still very small, comparatively speaking, and so then the the bet is. Um, ultimately, do you feel like Under Armour still represents that type of growth opportunity? In Mac, we were talking before taping here, looking at those charts of of Under Armour shares and, and sort of where they fall. If you've been owning the, the shares for the past year versus two years versus the past five years, I mean, if you've been if you bought Under Armour two years ago, you're clearly not very happy with the direction the stock is gone and in the direction the company's gone. But if you look at it over the past five, ten, fifteen, I mean, the longer that timeline goes out, the better the story looks. And generally speaking, when you want to do well as an individual investor in the stock market, you want to buy shares of good businesses 
when they're having some some temporary hiccups. And honestly, I do feel like Under Armour is a very good business with a smart, proven leader. They hit a big stumbling block here. But but let's remember those can be very great learning opportunities. Reed Hastings, I think, is a good example. Good business there in Netflix. Hit a big sort of a, a stumbling block there with the Quickster debacle and whatnot. I think he learned a few lessons there, perhaps in the humility front, sort of reset expectations, got back down to brass tacks, and they are where they are today. I expect the same things from from management here with Under Armour, but only time will tell. Interesting comment. I'm a Nike shareholder, and I keep looking for a reason to get into Under Armour, and I just can't, haven't pulled the trigger. And I'm rooting against the company, as you said, in the in the short term, because I want that stock to stumble a bit, give me a better entry point. I'm I'm not there yet, but I'm I'm laser focused on it. I keep checking. I keep checking. Laser focused. And guys, let's move on to pizza. Domino's up big on Thursday on stronger than expected earnings. Ron, you recommended this stock back around five dollars a share in yeah. 2010. They ran those ad campaigns saying, yes, the pizza tastes like cardboard. <laughs> the stock was around $10 a share. Today, it's around $187 a share. Holy cannoli. Um, I wish I held on this whole time. I, to truth be told, I, I sold a while ago, did did wonderfully on it, and um, got a nice rebound. As you said, you know, at $5, it was, it was much too cheap a stock. And, and to their credit, they really, really recognized what was wrong with the business. Not every management team does, and not every management team is transparent about it. So, um, kudos to them for revamping the menu, revamping the pizza, adding things to the menu, focusing on the franchise story, getting the the the, the stores back into the hands of good franchisors, um, franchisees, and really turning the business. And, and you continue to see it. I mean, domestic same store sales this quarter was up 10%. That's the 24th consecutive quarter of positive comps. International had 93 consecutive quarters of, internet, of, of positive comps. Profits up 42% for the quarter. They just continue to really execute. And now the story is about technology and how they're using technology, whether it's the Amazon Echo or app or mobile, um, to really help people purchase their pizzas. Wasn't there a pair of shoes that just came out where you could like order Pizza Hut from the actual shoe? Is that right? Like you could push a button <laughs> on the shoe. And order pizza. I'm 99.9 percent certain that was not fake. That's news. amazing. But Ron, you were telling me you're still old school. You you still call for your pizza? No, I don't call. We we, <laughs> we were use, talking before we, the show. We, we go on the on the website um, and and do it exclusively that way. But I have yet to download an app. Um, we have okay. the Amazon Echo. We've yet to um, teach Alexa how oh, to order okay. it through. So you're just through. not doing the mobile. I'm just not doing. <laughs> but the But you're not like faxing no. your order. Okay. <laughs> Carry your pigeon over to the local <laughs> Domino's. Don't you think though that based? I mean, just on a couple of companies right here between. Domino's, uh, Under Armour potentially. I think Netflix was a good example, but I, I think there's a pattern there in that if you find management teams that are willing to step forward and say, you know what, we screwed up, yeah. we did something wrong, or we yeah. missed this, and yeah. we are going to own that mistake and and get back down, you know, to work here and figure out a way to move forward. I mean, it's, it seems to me like when you find in a management team Humility. that is. Embracing their mistakes. Yeah. I mean, we always talk about that as investors. Yeah. I mean, when you're an investor and you embrace your mistake, you, you learn from them, it makes you better. I mean, there's managers are very much the same things. I mean, I think when you find a management team like that, 
it's worth giving it another look there and thinking, hey, I mean, th- there's a lot to be said for that as, as yeah. a long-term investor. And I mean. it's very brave to be so transparent about it. You have management teams tweaking businesses behind the scenes all the time. But to go out and make it the centerpiece of your marketing campaign, it's very, very clever, but it's also very honest and transparent. Well, and you get raked over the coals these days between Twitter and Facebook and wherever else. I mean, people are so quick to jump on uh, success stories that have fallen from grace. It, it's... I mean, it's it's not very nice, and <laughs> I don't teach my kids to do that. But I guess we all we all have to sort of recognize what's going on. It just strikes me that whenever you find management teams like that, that are willing to embrace their mistakes and really get better from them, and those are investments that I I tend to uh, give a little bit more consideration. I like that. We talked about maybe starting the humility index, right? Oh, I mean, I think so. We, we take CEOs. That. I think of Ron Shake at Panera when a few years ago he basically said the restaurants are mosh pits. Perfect example. Yep. They're a mess. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna fix it, and they did. And we've got a Panera, one of those 2.0 stores, right across from Motley Fool here, and I freaking love it. It's great. You know, you don't have to interact with anyone. You just go <laughs> and you grab your food. I'm Matt yes, Greer, and yes. I don't like people. Yeah, that is frightening. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> okay, well, let's stick with restaurants. Shares of Buffalo Wild Wings down on Thursday after the company reported disappointing earnings. Jason, what's the what's the story here? Oh, Mac. Well, I mean, Buffalo Wild Wings, the, the news with Buffalo Wild Wings has been really more about activists investing than anything else, I think, recently. I think the good news for uh, the business, they finally got back to positive comps, albeit very, very close to flat. Um, the bad news is that it was really, really close. And I think this is going to open them up perhaps for some more targeting from Mercado uh, Capital. I think that's the venture capitals, that's the activist investor that's, that's really trying to get in there and enforce management's hand here. I think actually force some change in management. Yeah. Probably, I, I mean, it's at least understandable. I mean, this is a company that right now is in full-on cost control mode. Uh, they've, they've spent a lot of 2016 trying to figure out ways to gin up new traffic, offers, daily deals, whatnot. That did okay. Uh, but it's not been enough to offset really what has been a tough restaurant sector in general and a lot of competition out there. And they're even going in there, they're going to sell 13% of their company owned stores that have been underperforming. There's about 80 stores that have been underperforming pretty significantly, generating operating margins or restaurant level margins around uh, 8 to 9% versus the 16% that, that, the, the, uh, that they're turning in um, as, as a full base there. So I, I think this is. Going to be a very tough year for Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't think this does anything to quell uh, the activist investor talk. And Ron, let's talk Mercado because they own a six percent stake in Buffalo Wild Wings. They've been pushing for um, the company to franchise more of its restaurants. And last week, they called on CEO Sally Smith yeah, to resign. That was big. What do you make of all that? You know, activism is is an interesting. It's interesting to watch. It it depends what the goal is. I like activists that are coming in, intending to stick around for a while. They're shareholders for the long term, and they see improvements that can be made to increase shareholder value for all shareholders. Um, you um, sometimes will get these activists that come in for a quick hit. Um, you know, they come in with the typical, you know, I think you guys should pay a dividend. I think you guys should buy back stock, um, and then they're in and they're out. They make a quick buck. That's not the activist that I prefer to see. Um, if I'm a shareholder of a company and I see one of these longer-term folks come in with a real plan, that that makes me happy because it's likely that they've identified that the stock is undervalued 
and they have a plan if management will listen to them, and that's where it sometimes can get contentious. Um, if management will listen, there's a way to improve shareholder value here. So that typically makes me feel um, good rather than bad. If I get one of these junky guys that come in and they're just, just for a quick hit, that uh, that's not so great. So back in your Wall Street days, when you're an activist investor, hedge fund manager. Which type were you? <laughs> we, we we were always long term. We always wanted board seats. We always wanted to stick around and help the company um, operate better. Um, it was typically very. Our suggestions were operations based, not only solely financial based, such as buyback stock or pay a dividend. We were interested in seeing the company really improve operations for the most part. So, when you look at Mercado, do you have a feeling one way or the other? I don't think Sally Smith necessarily need needs to go. Um, and I think the franchise um, suggestions are not not bad. I, I see some merit to those as well. Um, but it's a tough business out there right now. As 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 Jason said, the restaurant industry is struggling. Um, they they've have have some work to do. I don't know if Mercado is the answer. I think they really need to roll up their sleeves and get to work. I want to jump in here and confirm, Mag. By the way, here that. In fact, Pizza Hut did create a new way to order pizza with Breaking shoes. News. It was a '64 special edition, what they call pie tops. Oh my, <laughs> okay. oh my gosh! Uh, they were not sold apparently wow. to consumers yet, given to individuals as part of future promotion. But you could actually order the pizza via Bluetooth technology by pressing on the shoe's tongue. Pie tops. Yeah. Wow. I think I think if there if there is a humility index that's a positive indicator, I think the, <laughs> the pun index should be a negative indicator. There's a store when I used to live out in Colorado, there's a store called Socks Appeal. And it always uh, upset me. Every time I walked by it, I don't know why, but I'm like, just come on. Come on. We're we're better than that. As a people, we as have to people, be better than as that. As consumers, we are better Socks than that. Socks appeal. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, before we get to our next story, I want to say a word about Rocket Mortgage. Choosing a mortgage lender is a big decision. You want to work with someone you can trust and someone who has your best interest in mind. With Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process so you'll have the confidence to make an informed decision. And with Rocket Mortgage, you can adjust the length and rate of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So, whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage with a lot less paperwork, Rocket Mortgage can help. Skip the banks, skip the waiting, go completely online at quickenloans.com slash fool. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Okay, guys, time to talk my favorite airline, Southwest Airlines. Down on earnings here, Ron. And um, it's a, there's an interesting story here now with Buffett because Berkshire yeah. has a two billion dollar stake in Southwest. That stake getting a little smaller today. A little smaller. My favorite airline as well. I'm a big fan of the company, but it was a disappointing quarter um, for those finance people out there. If your revenues grow one percent, but your cross costs grow almost nine percent. That's, that's not. Bad. That's bad. Okay. Bad. <laughs> um, it, and it really is an expense story here. Um, labor costs were up. They have uh, new contracts in place with pilots and flight attendants. Um, so costs for salaries and wages were up about thirteen percent. Cost for fuel was up eight percent. Um, and revenues, as I said, were only up one percent. So you know we, we have a little bit of a mismatch in terms of revenue and expenses here. But it is, as we said, a, a very, very well-run company. It is a foolish company with a capital F in terms of the way they treat their customers and their employees and yep. their shareholders. Love to see that. Love to really participate with companies like that. Um, and and they'll be fine. Your know, profits took a smack. They were down about thirty percent, and um, that's not great to see. But uh, I don't view this 
this as a long-term degradation of their business model or even the industry in general. And Jason, today, Southwest CEO Gary Kelly said that the airline will no longer overbook its planes. That's that's pretty groundbreaking, isn't it? I mean, I doff my cap to that decision. I think that is one of the most customer-centric moves they could have made at this point in time. And I think the biggest question a lot of people have had over the past few weeks is why in the world do these companies, why do these airlines overbook to begin with? And we know it's all about maximizing yeah. filling that plane, right? And I mean, if people cancel whatever they so they take a sort of a chance there. I mean, it is inherently a chance that they're taking every time they overbook, and we've seen how bad that can actually get. And so, I mean, to me, I mean, like Ron was saying, I mean, these are the types of businesses that we really like to be a part of, and and they are businesses that, generally speaking, will make decisions that, in the short run, don't seem necessarily in line with sort of near-term success. You got to let time sort of play out to to let those decisions play out. I think this is kind of one of those decisions where, in the near term, certainly it could affect capacity there. Certainly it could affect profitability. But but this is a business that obviously is thinking far beyond that. It cares about its customers. It cares about its employees. It cares about its status in the world. And and I mean, I just I applaud the decision. Yeah. And from a Buffett perspective, so he's taken a bet across the industry. He's not just betting on Southwest. He he purchased the big four: American, Delta, United, and Southwest. Um, thinking that the terrible, you know, twentieth uh, century airline debacle is behind us, and yeah. these, the industry has consolidated, and they can get back to profit, better profitability, and 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 he can do well on the industry as a whole. It's it's a tough business. Yeah. You know, these these margins are thin, um, and it remains to be seen if the bet will work. But you know, don't bet against Buffett too much. Yeah, because at one point Buffett called airlines a death trap yeah. for investors, <laughs> and I think death trap for a lot of us has a negative connotation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the whole, on the whole, I tell you what I love about Southwest Airlines. Getting back to how customer centric they are, is um, I fly them a lot when I fly to Houston to see my family, and. Little things. They do all the little things. When I fly with my two sons, they actually, Southwest Airlines puts lids on the drink and puts straws in the drink. And it means nice. you're not worried about spilling. Yeah. Like little stuff like that. And they don't drag you off the plane. So those are two things. <laughs> the details. I'm in the yeah, details. Just this week, my daughter flew and got diverted to Pittsburgh because of weather. Next day, a $100 voucher showed up for $100 worth of, of tickets um, next time she flies. And, and, a, and a heartfelt, literally a heartfelt apology. Um, great company to own and, and um, you know, put your money to as a consumer. We say it all the time. I mean, those, those businesses where leaders are. So focused on the customer. I mean, they are businesses that tend to really do well over long periods of time. And I mean, it it seems really simple, right? I mean, figure out what your customers want and then give it to them. It's just not always executed very well. And you don't need pie tops. No, you don't <laughs> no, need pie no tops. No one needs pie tops. No one needs pie tops. Okay, guys, Jason, Ron, thanks for joining me thanks, today. Mike. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer, and we will see you next time.